You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. All right. Well, if you would turn your Bibles up to the book of Colossians this evening. And we're looking in a section to where Paul is encouraging the Colossian believers and us as well to keep on keeping on. Things get hard sometimes, things get difficult, but he's encouraging them to continue to make spiritual progress in this passage. They've gone through some difficulties. Some of their greatest difficulties actually involves um, the, uh, the, the false teachers and the false doctrine that's made its way into the church. But in spite of that, the church has been doing uh, pretty well, as we'll see here in just a moment. But look in Colossians 2, verse number 4. The Bible says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So throughout these verses, he's actually given some traits of what it looks like when a Christian is continuing on and going on for the glory of God, making progress in the Christian life. Keep on keeping on. See, in the Christian life, truth of the matter is we aren't, I don't believe we're ever really in a place where we stand still. Uh, You know, and I, I believe that we're either making progress or we're falling behind. Uh, in Hebrews chapter uh, 6, verse 1, the Bible says, Let us go on to perfection. And that's still God's challenge for us today. He wants us to go on to perfection, to ma- maturity, to, grow, to go on and to grow on for the glory of Almighty God. I'm glad God has better things for us. Uh, I really am. I mean, hasn't God been so good? But I'm telling you, God just has even greater things. And uh, don't let yourself be beguiled and the, the, the message from two weeks ago, we preached just the entire message was about Satan basically trying to rob you of your reward, uh, about Satan robbing you of what God wants to do in your life. And we can get bogged down with a lot of things. I don't plan to spend a lot of time on that tonight. But uh, by God's grace, we can make spiritual progress. Now, the Christian who's not making spiritual progress, I'm telling you, well, I should say this, the Christian that is making spiritual progress is a target for the enemy. But I'm telling you, it's the same for sure with that one that is not making spiritual progress. Satan, as we see in verse number four and talked about two weeks ago in this series, Satan is deceptive. He wants to lead believers astray, and to do this, he uses deceptive words. And we looked a little bit, we preached the whole message basically based on that last week. John 8, 44, Jesus said that Satan is the father of lies. Uh, Satan is the father of lies. He's a liar, man. And by his lies, he leads believers down the wrong path. And I just want to challenge you this evening. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Now, if there couldn't be a more simple statement made than that, don't believe the lies of the devil, you're saying, well, duh. But we believe the lies of the devil way too often. 
And the reason I can say that is, and, and I know that, is when we're not progressing and when we're, we're believing what He says, these thoughts that He puts in our heads versus what the Word of God says. Man, know the Word of God. Claim the Word of God. I mean, uh, know who you are in Christ. But Satan is a liar. He leads us, he'll, he'll lead us down the wrong path if we let him. So it's important that we exercise spiritual discernment and that we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Spirit of God will lead us and guide us into truth. Satan will try to lead us away from that. But, you know, how do you, we, we know and we can try the spirits of God, or the spirits, I should say, and we know that it's the Spirit of God that encourages us to do the things in the Word of God and confirms that the things in God's Word is true. God, the, you, you can mark this down and make it really clear. The Spirit of God will never lead you contrary to the Word of God. Um, you know, and, 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 I, and, and again, on that same thought, there's a very important principle there as well. You don't need a voice when you got what? A verse. You don't need a voice when you got a verse, Anna. If God says to do something, you don't have to say, well, I'm going to wait around and see if that's what the Lord tells me to do. You just have to say, no, the Lord told me to do it. Therefore, that's what I'm going to do. Amen? Uh, we're, we're in the Psalms, and uh, those of us that are in the chronological Bible, we're reading those Psalms, and the Bible talks about praising the Lord. Well, you know what? Somebody says, I don't feel like it. don't matter. Praise Him anyway. Give him the glory anyway. Uh, I don't feel like a conqueror. Don't matter. You're still a conqueror. Uh, I don't feel forgiven. Doesn't matter. You're still forgiven. Uh, but, but what he says is true. So hold on to the word of God. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Satan really wants you to, to get you bogged down. He wants you to get bogged down in doubt, in discouragement, uh, in fear and all these things, Satan wants to see you held back. But I'm telling you, God wants you to go on. But as the good God he is, man, he wants to see us exercising faith uh, in order to go on for him. Now, in, we, we can see here a little bit about the nature of the progress. In verses 5 to 7, we're going to break these verses down and we're going to notice a lot of word pictures that are packed into these uh, couple of verses, these, these three verses that we're going to look at tonight. He uses vivid pictures, several vivid pictures and illustrations, word pictures that we're going to look at tonight. Uh, so notice, notice first of all in verse number 5, the Bible says, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order. Now, if you wouldn't, if you're following along, you could highlight or circle the word order and the word steadfastness. I'll move this down here. The word order and the word steadfastness. These two words uh, reveal something to us. Order and steadfastness are both military terms. So in terms of keeping on, keeping on, he's encouraging the Colossian believers and he's encouraging us tonight to fight on to keep on going on for the glory of Almighty God, to keep on fighting. You know, Christian was sharing a moment ago the battle. Man, and it is a battle, isn't it? It's difficult, but fight on. I mean, we are soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's encouraging us to fight on. He talks about their order. He talks about their steadfastness. These two words describe an army that is solid, solidly united against the enemy. And when I think about that, I can't help but think about the wonderful picture that God's trying to give us here and the Apostle Paul gives because these people, of course, would have been familiar with the Roman army. 
So he's talking about order here. He's talking about an army. He's talking about soldiers that are fighting together. And when we get that picture, you know, I go to Ephesians 6 and I think about the armor of God, but I think about the shield of faith and, and I just get that picture and I've used it many times here in, the, in recent days, but I just think about those soldiers getting together and locking those shields. They would literally make a wall. Not only a, a, a frontward wall, they were basically an ancient, moving, walking tank when they would go into battle. When they would, they would literally walk together, they would lock their shields in the front. There would be the guys behind them that would have the shields up overhead. Then on either side, they would have the shields. They could literally walk and be totally uh, protected, but they weren't just on the, the defensive. They would move those swords away, uh, or those shields away strategically and take their swords and jab out and fight and move. And so when we think about this particular thing about keep on keeping on, man, there's solidarity. We're soldiers. And one thing we need to remember is that if there's ever been an, an illustration of being a soldier, uh, this is it. Uh, you know, of course, I reference sports and talk about sports a lot, similar to the way the Apostle Paul did, I suppose. Um, but, you know, when I watch sports uh, and, and hear about sports, I'll hear people saying, man, we're going to battle today. We're, we're going to war today and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's... Maybe not exactly going to war. I mean, uh, but folks, when we're using this in a spiritual context, we're not using it just in some weak way. It is a very appropriate word and term and picture because we truly are in a battle. We truly are in a war. And man, by God's grace, we need to stick together. We need to help one another. We need to lock our shields of faith together. Uh, we don't always need to act like we're super saints and super soldiers. We need to, I mean, those soldiers are fighting together. And I, I know that there's, you know, these great stories of valor, you know, when, when, when a soldier uh, launches out on his own and everything. But, I mean, the, the solidarity and the standing together. And, a lot, and what you'll often find, if you find a, a soldier that's going out on his own or charging into enemy territory, if you look behind him, you'll find some guys that are fired up going with him, uh, right? But the, but the thing is, and, and, and if there's any uh, that have been in battle, uh, you know that there's a, there's a solidarity there. There's a brotherhood there that develops. And folks, we really are in a battle. And one thing by the grace of God, you listen and you listen to this closely, by God's grace, we don't shoot our wounded. You know, you ever seen that? I've seen, I've seen it before. I hate to say that I've seen it personally in churches, but I've literally seen it in churches where a soldier of the cross, a Christian, gets knocked down. Maybe gets taken prisoner of war. And first thing somebody wants to say, I knew they would asked. You know, uh, or, I mean, or, you know, just start criticizing. I'm like, no, man, we need to stand with them. We need to stand for them. We need to be there. And so there's a solidarity, the order that he speaks about here. It describes an arrangement of the army in ranks with each soldier in his proper place. Not everybody can be a five-star general, but the general could never fight the battle alone. So the order describes the arrangement. We've all got a place, and we need, by God's grace, to be in the place that God has for us. So our order in the army, our steadfastness in the army. The steadfastness pictures the soldiers in battle formation. As I've already mentioned, that battle formation presenting a solid front to the enemy. Christians ought to make progress in discipline and 
and obedience, just as soldiers on the battlefield. Some of you have perhaps heard this illustration, but uh, Alexander the Great, there's a few stories that go along this line about Alexander the Great and how, of course, he was one of the greatest military generals who ever lived. He conquered almost the entire known world with his vast army in a very short amount of time. One of his young soldiers, after a particularly difficult battle, was found hiding in a cave for fear of the battle. That soldier was brought to Alexander the Great, and as he stood before Alexander the Great, Alexander asked the soldier, he said, what's your name? And he said, my name is Alexander. The man had been named after Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great repeated the question, what's your name? Alexander. And then the third time, he says again, and even in a, a louder and more stern voice, he said, what is your name? And he says, Alexander. And, that, and Alexander the Great looks at him. He said, you need to either change your name or change your behavior. And let me tell you something tonight. Your name is Christian. Your name is Conquer. What's your name? It's Christian. What's your name? It's Conquer. And you know what? By God's grace, listen, we don't need to change our names, folks, but we can just change our behavior and say, you know what? By the grace of God, I'm going to be who and what the Lord called me to be. Uh, uh, I asked Michael to share this video. Do you got that ready, Michael? He feels awkward because it's, it's a young preacher that's fired up. He's He's about to get on this like a hobo on a ham sandwich. Listen to this. I am a soldier, a prayer warrior in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Spirit is my code of conduct, and faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in this army at the rapture or die in this army. But I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or be pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. I am not a wimp. I am in place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. I cannot have my feelings hurt badly enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I still come out even. I will win. My God will supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot hold me. Hey, I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me back from this battlefield, he will promote me to captain. And then bring me back to rule this world with him. Hey, I am a soldier in the army, and I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier, marching, heaven-bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? that every morning before you start your day. Amen. Uh, I'm a soldier. So, uh, a soldier, for, do you feel sorry for the lady doing sign language right there? Um, she's probably still recovering from that, but... Uh, 
But you know, we are soldiers. And, and as we go through these this evening, I, I kind of want you to help me in, in, in maybe true Bible study fashion. Each one of these that we're able to go through tonight, the first one he gives us here is the picture about keep on keeping on, is an army. Man, soldiers can't just quit because it gets hard, right? Uh, soldiers have to keep on going. Now, everything that we're going to present, each one of these that we look at tonight, each one has a purpose. And I thought about what is the purpose for, for an army. A purpose for an army is to protect ground. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil in the book of Ephesians. Do not give up ground to the devil. So that's one of our responsibilities as an army. Do not give up ground. The army protects ground. Number two, the army procures ground. Just like as we're, we read in the book of Joshua about them claiming that which God has already got for them. Man, I, you know, I look, at the, I look at the teenagers and I get all fired up because I think about all that God has out ahead of you. But I'm telling you, it's not just the teenagers, is it? I can look at the rest of us, amen. We're still living, we're still kicking. Those that are older, they can be like Caleb. Man, Caleb was 80-some years old and he said, give me that mountain. You mean that one with all them giants on it? Yep. Bring them on, amen. I've been dreaming about this land. I've been dreaming about these promises for some 40 years, and I'm ready to take them on, amen. I just, when I get to heaven, man, I just, I just want to go back and watch the video, amen, of when Caleb uh, took on those giants and took that land and, and, and left those springs of water to his daughters, amen. I mean, just what a blessing. And so an army has a purpose. Uh, but not only does the army have a purpose, Armies have some problems. Uh, but when I think about an army having a purpose, I think about an army having problems. What are some of the problems that an army can have, that a soldier can have, but a, but a soldier in an army can have? Anybody? Disunity. Disunity. Man, you better believe that. Uh, man, uh, Son, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrible thing. I, I, by the way, I appreciate everyone that's ever served this country. I just got to say that right here up front, amen. In every war that we've had, in every battle, and everyone that's been able to, willing to put on that uniform and stand for our country and stand for what's right, I appreciate everyone. Uh, but man, when you read about, when he said disunity, what came to my mind was the, 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 the last years of Vietnam, Man, you talk about uh, what was going on in the ground over there. There was a lot of disunity uh, going on. Just a terrible, terrible time for those soldiers and for some of those commanders. It was, it was a bad deal. Uh, but man, an army is not going to be very effective uh, if there's disunity in the ranks. And again, one of the because we talked about that battle, what's one of the things that can help us avoid disunity? I mean, and and having uh, conflict among ourselves. It goes back to the first point. Remember our purpose. What are we doing here? What are we supposed to be accomplishing? So that's one. Obstacles to the army. One is uh, uh, disunity. Anything else? Fear, disobedience. What do you say, Sarah? Poor leadership. All right. Uh, yeah, you better believe it. An army needs to have good uh, leadership. Uh, and that's, that's been seen time and time again. Uh, as well. Uh, so poor leadership. Uh, I thought about this. I mean, one is pretty obvious, the foe that we fight. Whoever it is that we're fighting against, that's an obstacle. I thought about fatigue, uh, how you get tired, you get weary on the battlefield. And, uh, but it reminded me of something I read years ago. 
about uh, in the Marine Corps, uh, one of the things they began to do, and, and the cool thing was, is the Marine Corps, uh, it was, uh, they were talking about the exact, the, the crucible that actually uh, Atreyu uh, went through this exact crucible, but they said one of the things that they were teaching during basic training that they meant to carry through into the battlefield and into life is that during the most difficult times that they'll ask, the, they'll ask a fellow soldier when it looks so hard, Dan, to where you're just like, have you, just, you're not sure you can go on. It's getting so hard. You don't know, do you have enough left to keep on moving, to keep on fighting? And that one, one Marine may look over at another Marine and just say, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And, and what that does is, is, is they've been trained, and so it's supposed to, it's supposed to uh, uh, make a response come to mind because what they've learned to do and what they tried to train to do is that you take a difficult task and you link it to something that matters to you. You link it to something that matters to you. Why are you doing this? Christian, why are you going to keep on keeping on? Why are you not going to quit? Why are you going to say, you know what, it's difficult, but I'm not going to stop? It, it's a challenge. It's difficult, but now tie it to something that matters. God's given you a vision for what He wants to do in your life. And you've just got to bring that back to your mind. You've got to remember, why am I doing this? You've got to remember Christ. You've got to remember whatever it is, that vision that God gave you in your heart that I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to dig deeper. I'm going to find something here to keep me going on. So uh, an, an army has a purpose. Armies have problems. They have obstacles. They have things that go against them. Uh, but I want to say this. The army also, uh, our army especially, has provision. Our army has provision. What are some of the provisions that our army has? The provision of our spiritual army in Christ. Amen. The Holy Spirit of God. Amen. We have the Holy Spirit of God with us all the time. What's that? Full armor of God. There you go. Uh, the full, he's given us the armor of God. Uh, the, the whole armor of God. Uh, I like, I, one I wrote down was we have a conquering general. Amen. We've got a king. See, the good thing about the battles we fight, they're battles to be won. But folks, the, the ultimate victory has already, be, already been won. And so we are, just like Michael said in his deal there, we are winners, amen? We are conquerors. Uh, that's who we are. You say, well, I don't always feel that way. I don't always look that way, but neither do I. But I'm telling you, it does not change the fact. So one of the, one of the examples Paul gave for keeping on, keeping on, not quitting when it gets hard, going through to the goal is as an army. But he doesn't just end there. He goes on in verse number 6. He says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So not only... Does he picture us as an advancing army, but also as a sojourning pilgrim? The Christian life is compared to a pilgrimage. So Paul is telling them, fight on. He's telling us today, fight on. Even when it gets difficult, even when it gets hard, don't quit, don't give up, keep on fighting. Now he's saying, as a pilgrim, walk on. Keep on moving, amen? Don't drive your tent stakes too deep. I mean, folks, this world is not our home. I'm just a passing through, amen? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I mean, listen, this is just my temporary home, and I'm glad I love my country, and I, I love this country that I'm a citizen of. But did you know that if you're saved by God's grace, you're actually a citizen of heaven as well? I mean, listen, we have another country 
We have another king who has our loyalty. And folks, that's one of the reasons that we don't have to get uh, overly, uh, you know, worried about everything going on because we know our king is coming, but we must learn to walk on. Throughout the book of Ephesians, he's encouraging us seven different times in the book of Ephesians, he's encouraging us in our walk. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10, he says that we should walk worthy of the Lord. He's using that image of walking. See, we're to walk in Christ the same way we originally received Christ, by faith, by faith. The Gnostic teachers wanted to introduce some new truths for the Christian maturity, but Paul denounced them all. He said, you don't need new truths. You started with Christ. You must continue with Christ. He said, you started with faith, and you must continue with faith. This is the only way to make spiritual progress. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 13. When you think of Hebrews 11, what comes to mind? Faith, amen? What else, not just faith comes to mind, what else comes to mind concerning faith? That's right, the hall of faith, the hall of fame, the examples of this faith, man. Uh, hallelujah. Man, I just got to, I got to thank God because uh, the, the way that we are successful and the way we make it to be able to keep on keeping on. I mean, I'm looking at some people tonight. You're here on a Wednesday night in April 28th of 2021. You know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at some people that have kept on keeping on. Now, you may feel uh, bruised and you may feel battered, but I'm telling you something, I'm looking at some people that are here, and I'm just thinking by the grace of God that it's grace that's brought me safe thus far. And so I'm just excited tonight that by God's grace, by faith, you and I can be successful. He says this in Hebrews 11:13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were pilgrims and strangers on the earth. See, the, the, the keys to their success is they were persuaded of the promises of God. What's your persuasion? Amen. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I'm persuaded. Your circumstances and my circumstances are trying to persuade us otherwise. Our old nature, listen, the world, the flesh, and the devil are trying to persuade us otherwise. But we need to be determined, I'm going to be persuaded by the promises. Amen? I'm going to claim the promises. Anytime the devil comes lying around and telling things that are opposite, even anytime my mind begins to entertain something that I know is contrary to the Word of God, I'm going to say, no, 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 no. You know, there, there's an old saying, the old timers used to say, perish the thought. <laughs> perish the thought. I, no, sir. That, uh, God, I'm not thinking that way. I'm going to think on truth. I'm not going to be persuaded by that. I'm going to be persuaded by truth. I believe I'm looking at some people tonight that the reason you're here is that you've been persuaded by truth. But what we've got to do is we've got to continue to say, let ourselves be persuaded. He says, I persuaded, they were persuaded through the promises. And the Bible says they embraced them. They embraced them. I mean, man, they held on tight. That's what we need to do. Get into the Word of God. We need to let these promises persuade us. We need to embrace them. And the Bible says not only did they were persuaded of them and embraced them, but I like this, they confessed that they were pilgrims and strangers on the earth. In other words, they publicly said, this world is not my home. 
I'm just a pilgrim. See, what is a pilgrim? Now, when I say pilgrim, do, are, is anybody picturing, you know, are, are you saying that I'm like with a guy with a black hat and, you know, buckled shoes and all that? I, I remember the first time I heard pilgrim in church, I'm like, You're, we're pilgrims? I'm like, I don't want to look like that, you know. But, uh, but no, it just simply means a pilgrim is somebody, listen, that's away from home. But that, Well, actually, a stranger is somebody away from home. A pilgrim is somebody that's on their way home. And the Bible says that we are pilgrims and strangers. That's what the next verse says there in, uh, in, the, the, in 1 Peter 2.11. 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. All right? So we're strangers, which means we're away from home, but we're pilgrims, which means we're on our way. We're on our way home. Amen? What a blessing. Um, and by the way, the Bible says, since we are strangers and pilgrims, we should abstain from fleshly lust. What, what, what's another word for lust? Desire. Desire. Uh, did you know the Bible says that the Spirit of God can lust? The Bible says the Spirit of God lusts after doing the right thing, desires us to do the right thing when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm just trying to make that point to say lust doesn't always mean something bad. It's just desire. Uh, and so the, 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 what, what we need to do is abstain from those fleshly desires. It's not all just in the sexual realm. Oh, it's lust. It must be sexual. No, it's just the desires in general. You know what? Some of the, these desires could be self-pity. You ever think about that as lust? But some people desire just to pity themselves and to feel bad all the time and to kick themselves down and around and so forth. There's a bunch of different fleshly lust. Um, so I begin, I begin to think about that, okay? So a pilgrim. We talked about the purpose for an army, but what about a purpose for a pilgrim? I think a couple purposes for a pilgrim could be, one would have to be to remember. Because as pilgrims, we're in a foreign country. So we need to remember where our citizenship's at. So the purpose of a pilgrim is to remember. The purpose of a pilgrim is to reject. The purpose of a pilgrim is to reflect. The, a pilgrim ought to reflect the country that they're representing. The Bible says we're ambassadors for Christ. And an ambassador represents the country from which they're from. And so every one of us tonight, if you're saved by God's grace, you're a stranger and a pilgrim, you're an ambassador for Christ. And so we need to be remembering, we need to be rejecting the customs of this world as far as the, the evil things of this world, and we need to be reflecting the kingdom of God. Now what do you think? So those are some of the, the provisions, or I'm sorry, the purpose for pil being a pilgrim, but what are some of the pressures, what are some of the problems, challenges, uh, obstacles to being a pilgrim? As a Christian in this world, what's some of the things that kind of uh, challenge us to be the pilgrims that we need to be for God? Yeah, worldliness. I, I put their culture. Because, you know, the picture is given to us because he's trying to imagine someone from one general population or culture being put right in the middle of an entirely different culture. And so the pressure can be, instead of representing our kingdom, we can start wanting to become like this kingdom. And a lot of times that kind of goes to what I believe is another challenge that we face, and that is this, the pressure. The pressure, because people might think you're weird, right? Um, but I'm telling you, folks, uh, and I don't, want to, I don't want to just be people think I'm weird for the sake of being weird, 
But I'm telling you, by, y'all think I'm weird, but by, by God's grace, we need to embrace uh, being different. Amen? Uh, have, yeah, yeah, peculiar people. But have, but have you ever, have you ever, I, I've talked about this before. Have you, I know, oh boy, I tell you, I just remember Jen Wendell has a story. Uh, you want to come tell it? No, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about in just a minute. I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. But have you ever been tempted to prove that you're not holier than thou? And here's just simply what I'm saying. Does it, has it ever bothered anybody else when your family thinks that you think that you're too good? Or your friends think that you think that you're too good? Do you think you're too good? No, you don't think you're too good. I'm just not interested. I just don't want to drink and I don't want to cuss and I don't want to uh, get in on the dirty jokes and, you know, whatever. I'm just not interested. I don't think I'm better. I just don't want a part of it. Oh, we know you think you're something. And have you ever been tempted to prove that just to prove that, by golly, I'm going to show them. I'm going to tell a good one here. I'm, I'm going to let this big one slip and just to show them that I'm not too much better. Anybody else ever been tempted like that? <laughs> Y'all won't admit it, will you? Jen Wendell, she's over here with red face, amen? Uh, but <laughs> but I, can, I can say that I've been in that situation. You know what? We, I, we, we need to, by the grace of God, we just need to accept and embrace the fact that we don't do, that, that we're from a different country. I represent another world. Um, and so, yeah, I may, some of my customs are different from the customs of the world that I happen to live in. And I don't need to allow myself to be influenced by the negative influences of the pressure of the culture that we're around. Hope I'm not in trouble, Jen Wendell. Uh, Melanie says I am. But anyway, uh, re remember, reject, there's pressure, there's persecution. Man, people, a lot of times, people don't like people that aren't like them. People don't like people that aren't like them. And uh, I, can, I can remember, man, I, I just, this comes to mind, and I've, I've told you all, I've told you a, a couple of these stories, but what I remember in particular is that you know, I'm, I'm trying to be, I always try to be friendly at work. And let me tell you something else I want to say about people that aren't saved yet. You need to always remember those people aren't saved yet. Hey, don't get mad at a blind man because he can't see. Don't get mad. If you, if you get mad for a blind man for bumping into you, you're an idiot. I don't know if that's a good theological way of saying it, but it's pretty close. If you get mad at a blind man, if you get mad at a deaf person for ignoring you, I don't, you've got problems. Why don't we go out here and try to get unsaved people to act like Christians? Why don't we, why don't we get mad at them for acting, not acting like Christians? They're not Christians. Therefore, they act like unsaved people. Let them act like unsaved people. Uh, you know, well, I'll tell you, you need, no, you need Jesus, amen? amen. And I'm going to try to be your friend and help you and, and, uh, and show you the love of Christ along the way, Okay. But so so I so I'm, I'm working on this job, and I, as a young man, I wasn't even married yet. And uh, there'd be these guys. I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to befriend people and get to know people. I want to share Christ with people. And uh, and by the way, you ever heard this statement? I believe it's true that people people don't care how much you know until they or care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, you invest in people and you try to build relationships and you witness along the way. And, uh, and so I, I would walk up, Dan, and it would be these two guys. And I know that they were talking about the ball games from the weekend. I could hear it. 
So I start walking up thinking, you know, I'm going to try to get in with these guys. Now, these guys knew who I was, and uh, they knew I was a Christian. And so as soon as I start walking up, they start talking to them filthy, 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 filthy talk. And I'd walk up, and I'd just go, okay. Uh, and then they'd laugh as I walked away, you know, and wasn't interested in all that. But I'm telling you, over time, uh, I, I, I didn't judge those guys for being blind and deaf and all that. Uh, but I'm telling you, I was able to build a relationship with those guys and a rapport. Uh, don't give in to the pressure. Don't give in to the, uh, per the, the uh, not real persecution in that sense. In other words, one of the things that a, a pilgrim has to have is perseverance. We've got to be willing to keep on going on. Keep on keeping on for the glory of God. Walk on! Walk on. Don't get bogged down. Don't feel like you've got to be like the world to reach the world. And so... Uh, what are some of the benefits? What are some of the blessings? What are some of the provisions that a pilgrim has? That we, us as pilgrims. Peace. Amen. That's right. Right in the midst of all of it, we can have peace. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you've heard it before, but man, people might think we're crazy, but at least we're screwed on the right nut. Or the, we, might, we might be nuts, but we're screwed on the right bolt. I about messed that one up. Amen. Uh, it might be nuts, but we're screwed on the right bolt. We, people might think we're crazy, but we can have peace through all that. What's some of the other provisions we have as pilgrims? You know, what, what is it? Amen. We're not alone. Hey, you ever feel alone? But are you ever actually alone? Never. Never alone. <laughs> no, never alone. Um, that's right. What, what's some of the other provisions we have as pilgrims? Amen. That's right. We have access at any time to the throne room of God. Uh, I thought about this as a pilgrim. We have a home. We have hope. That's right. We have hope. And, and this hope isn't, boy, I sure hope, preacher, don't go into all these other points tonight. <laughs> that's not the kind of hope we have. Uh, that's not what the Bible's talking about. The, the Bible hope is confidence. And it's not just confidence. It's confident assurance. Bible hope is no-so kind of hope. And so we have hope. And so we know we're going to heaven. Now, just, and when I say this world's not my home, I'm a, I'm, I'm a part of another country, therefore I don't have to get uh, crazy. I mean, right now, I am, I'm, I've got a dual citizenship, and so do you. I am a citizen of this country. And we live in a great country to where we have the opportunity to make a difference in our country. We still have uh, freedom to make a difference in our country. And by God's grace, we need to keep on doing that. We really do. So don't, don't, don't misunderstand me that I'm saying that we need to check out. But when it really comes down to it, I can say, well, man, whew, I'm glad my hope's not at, uh, on the White House, in the White House, amen. What was it, 1600 Pennsylvania? I'm, I'm glad that that's not my, uh, my hope. I don't care if it's Trump or Biden or George Washington raised from the dead, amen. They give him a vaccine and he comes back to life or something, you know. I mean, that's not my hope. My hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. My hope, man, I am a member of another country. I'm telling you, there's coming a time. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I don't care what they try to do to some kind of machines. or I don't care what the media says. Ain't one bit of that going to matter. There's voter intimidation, buying votes, you name it. I mean, all the dead folks that vote, you know, uh, I mean... You know, uh, many of you, many of you have seen it, and you know, I've I've requested from uh, my family as well that if I die, don't let me vote Democrat. <laughs> Amen. But listen, uh, what I'm trying to say is that my king, my king, is coming back. 
My king is going to set up his throne. My king, my Jesus is going to rule. Amen? Amen. And I don't, it, don't, it don't matter what they say about it. Son, he's, he's coming to take over. Yeah. Amen. And, I, and, 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 and he's not coming to take sides. Amen? Jesus isn't going to run for the GOP nomination. No, sirree. Uh, my friend, he's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over and, uh, and, and rule in righteousness. That's my king. Amen? That's my kingdom. That's my country. That's my eternal hope. So I'm a pilgrim, and you are too. Uh, and I reckon I'm about to save the rest of these for uh, next week. Amen? <laughs> but uh, he gives an example uh, of rooted. Uh, that, this is where I went and preached a whole message on the trees. He talks about, not only that, but in 7b, I'll just give them to you too quickly, rooted is a tree built up. So rooted is an uh, agricultural term. Built up is an architectural term. Talks about a building. Uh, the, uh, continuing into verse number 7, the Bible says, established in the faith, having been taught. We're students. We're improving students. Uh, Man, we need to keep on learning. And then uh, also, he says, abounding. Abounding right there. Folks, that's a picture of a river. That's a picture of a river. And then he says, with thanksgiving. Amen? And so, we'll, we'll eventually get back uh, to these. But the, the, the bottom line, I guess, tonight is this. That when we look at these pictures of spiritual progress, we only got to the army and the pilgrim. But we can see how the growing Christian can easily defeat the enemy and not be led astray. We are in an army we are conquerors. Our general, listen, we, he, he is victorious, he is undefeated, and he will not lose. I promise you that. And we're on his side, amen? And so we're an army, we're pilgrims, we're strangers, we're just in a, in a strange land uh, and passing through. We're not here for long. But by God's grace, we can be grounded in Christ, growing in Christ, walking with Christ, and we can, we can, we can keep on keeping on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Be determined. And I, I'll close with this tonight. I love the Psalms. We, many of us have been reading through the Psalms together recently, and I have been posting a lot in the conversations uh, recently, but, but the Psalms, I've mentioned this before, changed my life. And this is one of the reasons why the Psalms changed my life. Well, there's a few reasons why. Number one, I found out in the Psalms it was okay to not be okay sometimes. You know what else? I found out it was okay to complain to God. I found that out. I found out a lot of things uh, through the Psalms. But everything ultimately points me to Christ, amen, in the Psalms. But here's one of the things I learned in the Psalm when I was a teenager. And I credit this principle to helping me standing here today, by God's grace, having kept on keeping on. And I've mentioned it before, but here it is, the I wills of the Psalms. I will. You go through those Psalms, just look at those wills. I will stand. I will praise. I will stand for you. I will live for you. I will fight for you. I will, I will, I will. And up to that point, that sounded like an awfully prideful thing to say to me. I'm going to go, I'm going to do something great for God. I don't know. You know, that sounds a little prideful. But then I read those Psalms, and the Psalmist said, I will. 
And so by God's grace, I started saying, Lord, and I started saying that, Lord, with your help, I will. I will. I can. You said I can, therefore I will. And I think that the greatest I will that I ever came to in my Christian life is when I can remember where I, I can remember where I was at. I was in China Grove, North Carolina, at Tabernacle Baptist Church, and I remember getting in the altar there and praying. And I wish I, I wish sometimes I, I, I wish sometimes you could just see if there was a way that I, that I could reveal to you what God's done in my heart in the altar. I really do. You would know why I get in the altar and why I encourage people. If I could just show you, man, uh, I'll tell you right now, you, you and I would not know each other today if it wasn't for the altar. Amen. Yeah, we would not know one another today. I'm just telling you. Uh, but it's in the altar. God did these great things in my heart. And, and it don't have to be this altar. It, it's, it's, it's altars at homes. It's altars in the woods. It's altars under a tree. It's, it's praying. But I got in the altar, Tabernacle Baptist Church in China Grove, North Carolina, and I said... Dear Lord, with your help, I will. I will serve you till the day I die. With your help. Now see, I know myself well enough to know that that's not in me. But I know my God well enough to know and to be persuaded, <laughs> amen, that he's able to keep that which I've committed against that day, Amen. And that's, a, that's an I will that has changed my life. And so as a soldier tonight, will you? Will you fight on? As a pilgrim, will you walk on? 